Massachusetts, 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 Massachusetts. <laughs> if you want to sound local, you can just say Mass. <laughs> Boston Mass. And I sound very local. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Thanks for listening. This time, let's find out what it's like being freelance for illustrator Michelle Condrich. So we were leaving New York anyway. I was going to quit my job anyway. So I kind of just jumped in head first, not really knowing what I was doing or if it was going to work. We live in this society that's obsessed with productivity and how prolific you are. And I think everybody probably thinks that they should be getting more done all the time. Yes, so there is Michelle, whose podcast I've been really enjoying uh, actually we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that but I recommend it it's called Creative Playdate so yeah that, that'll come up uh, of course but yeah I'll put a link at beingfreelance.com there's links to everything that our guests get up to and of course all of the other guests that you can enjoy if you uh, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast you won't miss out you can also join me on Instagram and Twitter it's just really nice to hear from you so yeah don't be afraid to, um, to get in touch will you and <laughs> oops <laughs> Sorry, do you know what? While I was recording this, I was just fiddling with my daughter's pen, which has got this nice little jewel on the... Or, well, it did have a nice little jewel on the end of it. I've just snapped it. Um, <laughs> oops. You just know that in amongst the hundreds of pens she has, that will be the one she comes looking for later on. Ah. Anyway, sorry, distracted. Where was I? Probably telling you about being freelance.com. Let's presume that bit's done and crack on with the conversation, shall we? And go to the States, in fact, more specifically to Massachusetts, and say hi to illustrator Michelle Condrich. Hey, Michelle. Hi. Thanks for having well, me. Thanks for doing this, as ever. How about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure. It's kind of a convoluted journey, honestly. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, in Nebraska, and went to a little liberal arts school there. I studied studio art, but at the time, I had no idea that illustration was a thing you could do as a career. And I certainly didn't have access to schools that, that taught it. So went to school... Didn't really know what I was going to do afterwards, but I knew I wanted to get out of Nebraska, out of the Midwest. So I just kind of started looking for jobs in any city that I could find. And I, I was really fortunate that a former professor was working at the Getty Museum in Los Angeles. She was able to put in a good word for me there. And so I moved to L.A. for a few years. And after that, I got a little tired of L.A. and just decided to move to New York City. Um, I had friends there. I was just still just working sort of regular jobs. I just had a nine to five office job. So I was, I was there for almost five years. And in that time, you know, I got tired of working the nine to five job and I kind of felt like I couldn't move up there. I couldn't seem to get anywhere from the position that I was in. And I was starting to feel like, I don't even know if nine to five is for me, is my thing. I think I just, I like variety. So I don't know exactly how this happened, but I started listening to podcasts. The first one that I was listening to was Escape from Illustration Island. And have you, have you heard that one? No, but it's a brilliant title. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great show, especially for people who are interested in illustration, but aren't going to school or, you know, don't, are afraid to jump in or whatever. It's just interviews with art directors and illustrators about how they got started and how to go about promoting yourself and like everything. And that started to make it seem doable for me. 
I was so far from ready to be an illustrator. Uh, I had no portfolio of, of any kind. I was just doing art on the side for fun. But after listening to that show for a while, I started to think like, maybe this is something that I would be happier doing. And I feel like I got kind of lucky because about the same time, my husband got into a PhD program at the University of Denver in Colorado. So we were leaving New York anyway. I was going to quit my job anyway. So I kind of just jumped in head first, not really knowing what I was doing or if it was going to work, but I didn't have a job anyway. So that's how I got started started, although I feel like it was a good three years before I really was getting work and, you know, making it sustainable in any way. Cool. So when you made that move, literally, and decided to go freelance, did you go and get a job and then start to build up freelance clients on the side? Or was it literally, right, who's going to pay me to do some artwork? (laughs) Um, It was actually more of the latter, although I did have some, I was working some temp jobs here and there part-time. My husband's program was paying him, and we didn't have a child or anything at the time, so our expenses were much, much lower then. So... Yeah, it, it was it was kind of that. That's awesome. So, but then how did you do it? Because that basically means, other than the temp jobs, you've got this whole day to fill, potentially no client work to do it. And so, mm-hmm. what, yeah, what, what did you do? And how did you turn that into a freelance, yeah. you know, a viable freelance career, if you see what I mean? Um, sometimes I don't know how I, do, how I do that. To be honest, it was a really hard time because we were living somewhere where we didn't really know people And since I didn't have a job and I wasn't going to school, I was just home a lot all of the time. And I got a couple of little jobs. It was a lot of like local stuff or self-publishing kind of stuff that looking back, I, I wouldn't take now. But it was a lot of trying to build up my portfolio on my own and get it to where I could actually promote it. I did actually send a postcard at one point, and my first client, my first real editorial client was actually How Magazine. Then it came from that postcard, which was great, although I've never worked for them again. I haven't worked for them again yet. <laughs> this is like, you know, six years ago or something. So it's almost like you'd, you'd set yourself some projects so that you could build up a body of work that you, this is the sort of stuff I want to be known for, and then started to send out postcards to potential places that might want your, your work. Yeah, exactly. And I was finding classes or I guess classes in quotes online, places where I could basically get somebody to give me an assignment and do it. I I work a lot better, or at the time, I worked a lot better that way. If I could have somebody else, an objective person say, this is your assignment and and do it that way. Mm. And so what happened? Did it just gradually pick up? Did a bit of work come in, you you, you know, permanently sending out stuff? Or like, how did it evolve? I think it just evolved as my work evolved. As, as I got more confident in my work and my work got more publishable, honestly. When I look back at what the work was then and what it is now, it's, it's hard to believe that I managed to get where I am. I suppose people who are in art school, you know, they see that same kind of leap. But at the time, it felt impossible to get where I am now. So, yeah, it's just constantly promoting myself, but also constantly trying to evolve the work to a place where... I felt good about it. Yeah. And just to put some context in, what what year did you move out to Colorado? Uh, 2010. 
so eight years ago, you find yourself there. I think you said a few years later that you really felt you had enough work and stuff coming in. Was there points in that time where you felt like giving up? Definitely. I mean, maybe not giving up entirely, but feeling like I, I have to get a full-time job. I have to find something else because this is not sustainable. But honestly, I, I go through that now sometimes <laughs> too. I mean, anytime I go a month or two without new work, I think, that's over. I'm, you know, something has to change. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I, I think that's just normal along the way. And did your your work change as well? Because I, I love your illustrations, but I noticed that some of them are like kind of like animated gifts as well. They sort of come to life. It's sometimes without you even mm-hmm. like you think you're just looking at a picture and then suddenly it springs up on you and you notice it. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then also you do like actual you know some actual animations like whiteboard animations and things like that mm-hmm. how how did that change was it just something you thought about or did somebody say hey can you do this um i think a lot of the big jumps in my work were times when i was sort of in over my head with a new client or i felt that way anyway uh, i actually started with the whiteboard work there was an agency in boulder colorado that just contacted me out of the blue and, and said do you want to come in and and see if you want to do this sort of work. Um, so I came in and did like a little whiteboard test. And that's just sort of, that's sort of kickstarted that as my, my bread and butter really for a long time. A lot of that kind of work was like business to business sort of stuff that I didn't really show or couldn't really show. But yeah, that, that's how that work came to be. Um, the animated, well, I still say GIFs. I know you're not supposed to say GIFs, but... Oh, what are we? What are we meant to say? It's supposed to be gifs, apparently. Oh, but I can't. Nah. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Hey, look, and if a Brit and an American can agree on both saying it one way, then let's stick with it. That's that, that's just that then. Rare. Yeah, it's a gif. Go. Yeah. <laughs> so those, you know, obviously animation and illustration has been gaining in popularity, and it's it's getting to a point where it almost feels like it almost feels necessary to have. And so I've been doing those just the last couple of years, but they're, they're really fun to do. It's really challenging, especially because I've never taken real animation classes. I took an After Effects like, workshop at the School of Visual Arts in New York, like a weekend class. But other than that, I'm sort of self-taught as far as that goes. And the rest of my work was just, I, I can't say that I directed it necessarily in one direction or another, other than I knew that I wanted to focus on editorial early on. And it's just sort of evolved as my technique has evolved naturally, I guess. So that takes us through to, I don't know, 2013 or something like that. So what happened next? Um, that's a good question. Around 2013 is when I started to do a lot of the whiteboard work. And so that was sustaining me. I wasn't doing a lot of editorial. I would get a couple things here and there. And really, I would say the last two or three years have has been where my editorial work has really picked up a lot. And again, I think that's just, I don't think I was ready at the time. I, my work wasn't really ready. And it, it just took that time for me to improve the work and improve my ideas. Yeah, sticking with it. It must it must be <laughs> tough when, I, I mean, I don't know how it works, whether you just don't hear anything back, like whether it's just, you know, you send stuff out and it's like a wall of silence or whether you actually get reject you know they take the time to reject you I don't know like, it must be tough it's it's mostly the wall of silence <laughs> um especially with postcards because there's no direct way unless they hire you or something 
but with emails, that was something that I could, I could tell when the work was getting better because I was consistently getting more people responding, even if it's just to say, thanks, we'll keep you on file. Like, I feel like that response means something over nothing. And so I was, I was starting to get more of that, those sorts of responses where, you know, I love your work, you know, hopefully we can work together soon. And to be able to at least start a dialogue with, with some art directors. What, what were the things that really (laughs) changed along the way then over the past five years? Yeah. um, So we were in Colorado. My husband had finished school or was about to finish school. We'd been talking for a while about wanting to have kids, but wanting to be more stable because, because, you know, he was, when he was done with school, he wasn't going to have a job right away. And we just honestly got tired of waiting for our lives to start. (laughs) Uh, So we kind of just jumped into that thinking like, once we start trying, then we'll probably have about a a year or so to get everything together and, and have our feet on the ground a little bit. Um, That didn't exactly happen. (laughs) Um, We, I mean, we had the kid, (laughs) In, in 2014, we had our daughter, and then we were in Colorado for another nine months or so. I was still working as much as I could, and after a while, we had a lot of our good friends were also leaving Denver because you know they were in the same program that my husband is in, and my husband grew up in, in New York on Long Island, and even though I was only there for like five years, I still like to think of myself as like an East Coaster or a New Yorker, I guess. We were just kind of ready to go back to the East Coast. So we moved to Providence, Rhode Island, because we had friends here. It was close to my husband's family. And, you know, we couldn't afford to move back to New York City. And we just moved to Attleboro like six months ago. Um, I actually started a full-time job over the summer. So we moved just a little bit further north to help with my commute. Wow. And how did you find, (laughs) well, being a freelancer and being a mum? Um, that was hard. It was especially hard because our daughter from the age of about three months or three and a half months would not let anyone else hold her besides her parents. Even her grandparents, even if they'd been there for days, she still would like give them the side eye and not, not interested. So it was really difficult to have babysitters even unless they were just going to watch her while she slept, which nobody wants to pay for somebody to watch your child when they're sleeping. So it was, it was really hard. I mean, early on, I was lucky because my husband, while he was working on his dissertation and everything, but he, he wasn't working full time or anything. So he was around to help a lot. If I had a lot of work to do, um, looking back, it almost seems like getting work done at that time with her at home was easier than it is now when she's home. So that means that because obviously if, you know, if I go to your website and, you know, before I invited you on, I can see your shop and I can see your writing and I can see your, or listen to your podcast, which is excellent. (laughs) Um, And so that means that in this time of moving and being a mum and work taking off and taking on a full-time job as well you've also taken on all these side projects right (laughs) yes (laughs) I seem to keep creating them for myself (laughs) (laughs) I suppose the podcast is is the main side project what made you want to do it in the first place 
the podcast? Um, you know, I came up listening to podcasts all the time. And, and then on social media and Twitter, you hear all these conversations with people talking about being a freelance illustrator and how to get work and how to get better, you know, overall, whatever. And I started to get a little irritated that, that all of the advice I was hearing was for people who were like 30 years old or under and didn't have kids and didn't have all that extra stuff in life that gets in the way of pulling all-nighters or having time to sit and think about your work and what you want to do with it. And I just felt like there are, I know there are a lot of us out there who have kids, but nobody was really talking about it. It's that thing where on blogs and everything, you see the same advice, but it seems to play to like people in their 20s who don't have kids. And, and also, I feel like there's an issue around just sort of the creative mental space in your head that's that's really hard to find the time and space for. Um, you know, there are times when I'm, if I'm home on the weekends, even if she's like watching a movie or something or she's outside with her dad and I'm trying to brainstorm for a project, it's really hard to separate myself from whatever they're doing. If if I'm in the same location, it's it's just really hard to not be keeping one eye on what's going, what's going on with them. And I think... I say this without it sounding. Uh, I feel like mothers have that a little bit more than fathers. Of course, not not all the time. In with the people that I've spoken to, with a lot of women that I've spoken to, I feel like women have that sort of mental thing where they just can't let go of what's going on with their child. And I wanted to talk to people who are experiencing that too, because it's really frustrating to want to have your head 100% in what you're doing and almost biologically not being able to, if that makes sense. Mm. How have you found ways around that? For me, getting out of the house has been the most important thing, at least when it's, when it's at a point in the project where I, I really need the, the brain power, the idea power. <laughs> yeah, I think getting out of the house has been, has been the most important yeah. Otherwise, I guess I don't know if I have entirely. <laughs> but but even then, it can. Well, no. I'll I'll. This is kind of like reflecting my own experience. Is the fact that, uh, like this morning, I like I really needed to do some work. Just like you just said, I had to leave the house. Yeah. So I went out. But because it's a Sunday, part of you is then feeling guilty because you're like, well, it's the weekend. It's meant to be family time, where we're mm -hmm. all together. Even though you know, I spend loads of time with them during the week yeah there's almost like that that guilt thing even though actually once you're out you get that you do get the work done much quicker yeah yeah and and now now that I have a full-time job too it's the whole thing is just so complicated because I I still get so much satisfaction from the freelance illustration and I don't want to let that go <laughs> at all <laughs> but then it's the issue of the evenings and weekends and weekends. It's supposed to be family time, but there's still things I want to do or I need to do. And it's just this constant push and pull between all of the things that I want to do all at once. And there's still things I don't get to that I, I want to get to. How have you managed actually managing client expectation within like timeframes mm -hmm. and stuff? Fortunately so far, I mean, I've only been at the full-time job for six months. Um, so I've been trying to manage deadlines accordingly. Um, luckily, I've, mostly what I've been doing the last six months has been 
editorial, which usually the, the deadlines are pretty clear. Um, you know, if it's, if it's too tight a deadline, then I just won't take the job or I'll ask for more money to make it worth it, you know, for me to stay in, stay up into the night working. But I haven't really run into that problem too much yet. And what is, is your full-time job within this field or? I, I'm a multimedia designer um, for a local university. Um, so I'm working to working with faculty to create online classes that look better than, than just like 20-year-old PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> um, and working with the school to get full programs up and online. And what was it that enticed you back into a full-time job? Um, honestly, last year was a really slow year for me. My husband doesn't work full-time right now. He's on the academic job market and adjuncting and kind of, we've been cobbling together an income for, for a few years. So it was the, the, mostly the financial aspect and the stability aspect, especially with the new tax laws here and the, the healthcare situation here. I feel like it actually couldn't have come at a better time because I don't know what's going to happen with those things in the coming years. Um, and so now at least we have the stability of health insurance and the cash flow problem is taken care of. Are there other advantages that you found actually going back into, I don't know, a team environment? I don't know, but you might be like stuck at the end of a corridor on your own. I'm imagining <laughs> you, however, working with other people and stuff like that. Yes, yes. And, th- and that has been nice to be out of the house. Um, it's if You get a little more, bit more energy when you can get out of the house every day and talking to other people. Uh, and it's work that's that's making me learn new skills, new animation skills, new like coding sort of, you know, anything I can think of that's related to the job itself. I've, I've been trying to learn more about. Um, and I think that's going to be valuable no matter how long I'm at the job, that those are going to be skills that are going to be valuable for me going forward. And, and it's working at a, at a university, you know, academic environments are nice. They're not terribly stressful. Um, so I really, as much as I wish that I we're still full-time freelance a lot of the time. It's really a good situation to be in. It's a very good job and with very, very good people. Yeah. And then you've not let the freelance side of it go. So actually that, I guess that must take that pressure off. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can turn down a job if it's not interesting to me because we're not desperate for the money. Or I, I can price a job at much higher in order to make it worth my time if it's not, if it's something that like, oh, I could do, but I don't necessarily want to do, you know, like that, that sort of thing. I have, I have that flexibility. Yeah. And this whole time within doing that, you're still marketing yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. Mostly just email. I send out postcards probably only like once a year. A lot of people will tell you to do it three or four times a year, but I've found that I just, I don't know how people can afford postage that many times a year. <laughs> Maybe my list is just too big. I don't know, but the, the postcards are cheap. It's the postage that that's the killer. But, um, I've, in my experience, my emails have been more successful anyway, or so it seems. I, sometimes I get people who I've been emailing for years and then they hire me and they say, oh, I came across your work. 
And I said, you, did you come across it on one of the like six emails I've sent you over the last three years? <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? But I think I get more, I get more direct response from the emails anyway. Yeah. And as well as marketing yourself in that way, really the, it feels like the, the podcast and your article. So you, you write as well, don't you? I've just started doing, I'm doing like a business sort of column, uh, with illustrationage.com, um, working with, with Thomas James on that, who, who is actually the creator of the escape from illustration podcast that I mentioned before. Um, he, he invited me and a couple of other people to, to start doing some business columns or, or just columns in general, I guess, for the site. So, um, that's, that's relatively new. I'm kind of finding my feet as a writer. That must bring you a, a a greater audience, like people aware of your work. Yeah, I think so, for sure. It's still new. It's it's just it's been interesting to see where I'm at in my career based on how other people see me, because I still sometimes feel like I'm still trying to catch up to the art school kids. <laughs> so things like that are can be kind of validating. Like, yes, I'm I'm doing well at this. <laughs> uh, I, I know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> No, yeah. that's nice. That so, so yeah. So there's still that thing of self belief. Yeah. How about balancing that, or or dealing with the the business side of of being freelance? In a lot of ways, it's almost as important as the work itself. If if you want to be successful and sustainable, um, and that's something that I've just had to teach myself through podcasts and listening to other artists and trial and error. I mean, there were plenty of times where I didn't have a contract when I should have, or I definitely underquoted for things along the way, that, that sort of thing that even if you went to art school, I feel like people still have to learn some of this stuff the hard way <laughs> a lot of the time, um, because it's easy to not, to not do those things, or it's, it's easy to be too afraid to quote high and then and realize later that you should be getting double what you're getting or something. So just learning from, from other artists, really. What would you say has been the biggest challenge of being freelance? I mean, the cash flow is always an issue, but that's kind of for everybody. I think, honestly, the biggest challenge for me has been more of an, an emotional one in that I've got all of these things going on and I can't give of myself to certain projects that I, that I want to get to, or because I have these other things, because I have a family, because I have a full-time job that I, that I'm somehow slowing down the career that I, that I'm really passionate about. So in that way, I think it's, yeah, it's the emotional challenge of the emotional, emotional frustration of not being able to, to do all of the things that I want to do. And then the guilt that comes from thinking that when I have this beautiful daughter who I love very much and you know I feel like mm. sometimes it, I don't know how to say it it's you know it's like of course I want to be around my daughter on the weekends but then at the same time pursue these other things and and the guilt and frustration mixed together I think is currently my biggest challenge yeah how how do you deal with that well, I don't know if I do. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I'm the sort of person who I push things down really easily. Uh, I just sort of trudge ahead. 
Um, and maybe that's going to come back to bite me later, but I just kind of keep powering through and doing my best and keeping my head down and smiling. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's basically my only coping mechanism at this point, besides, you know, the glass of wine every other night (laughs) (laughs) man it's so easy to beat ourselves up and yet you're um the the funny thing is is that actually you might not think it but you're probably achieving more than all of those people who have so much time you know as you said earlier who were under 30 with you know without a kid clearly we're generalizing but right but it's almost like you've got less time but actually you're achieving loads yeah i mean that's true and it's so so frustrating to look back on pre-child days or people who don't have kids and think you have no idea how much time you have and what you should be doing with that time. <laughs> um, but I but I've also heard it said that if you want to know how to get things done, ask the busiest person in the room. So, uh, you know, I guess I think everybody probably thinks that they should be getting more done all the time. We live in this society that's obsessed with productivity and how prolific you are and and I should probably look at it more that way and like you know instead of thinking about the progress that I haven't made that I still want to make you know every once in a while I need to look back and say okay but you are you've done this and this and this and that's worth worth being proud of and you know yeah too being nice to yourself about yeah and do you have like other people to talk to about these things is there like a a community or even just one person that you have i mean i guess i'm very social online um on twitter and stuff and I, unfortunately i don't really have a community of artists in person i've been a part of this uh, illustration collective for many years called the mighty pencil um there was just sort of a collection of of illustrators who could talk privately in forums about pricing and and what do you think of this piece and business issues and you know all that kind of stuff um which was really nice it was a really great group of illustrators and other other than that it's mostly online i mean that's that's one thing about having moved around so much that's really hard is not having the people in person to talk about these things with um and maybe if we would stop moving <laughs> for a little while we could build that up but yeah. yeah. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself. Make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What do you have for me? Okay. So I once criticized Greg McCormick from Will and Grace, um, his movie selection in a video rental store. <laughs> <laughs> I was featured in an Intel commercial. I accidentally shoplifted from an art store. Okay. Which one was Greg... McCormick. I used to like Will and Grace. I noticed it's come back. Which one was Greg McCormick? I know. I haven't, I haven't seen it since it's come back. Which character was Greg? Will. Oh, oh so that was Will. Oh, my God. Yes. So, Wait, and, and, no, no. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not Greg McCormick. It's Eric McCormick. Sorry. Right. Eric McCormick is his name. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sure you, he won't hear this. <laughs> now, when you were having a go at his video rental choice... Did you realize who you were talking to or did you like make some smart comment about what the guy next to you was holding and then look up and realize who it was? Um, I did know who I was talking to. I was trying to be casual and make conversation and <laughs> sort of accidentally. Made a story. And what was it? <laughs> what, what, what was his film choice? It was Casino and he was going to take it 
he had a flight or something and he was, you know, it was before iPhones and that sort of thing. So you were featured in an Intel commercial doing doing what like smacking the side of a pc going why won't this work like yeah. what, what, what was your um, role i was at the time i was still using a surface pro and they came and did a whole interview thing it was just to promote the intel chip and they were talking to me about my work with the tablet and what it enabled me to do that i couldn't do before cool so and did you appear on tv was it used online social like what was the I think it was just used online and maybe at some a presentation somewhere, but I don't think it was ever on TV. If it was on TV, I didn't don't think I got paid enough. <laughs> and your third one was? I accidentally shoplifted from an art store. Oh, yeah. So you're a thief. That's right. That was your yeah. third. <laughs> an <thing>. accidental. <laughs> uh, and and I, I corrected it. As you walked out with an easel it. under your arm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, got, I got home and I had... I was just looking at these colored pencils and I, I must've got distracted and I don't know, I was probably carrying paper or something. And then I put it in my bag. I got home and I was like, Oh my God, I did not pay for these. And so I called the store to say, to let them know. And the, the manager was really nice and said, well, let's just keep them. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Right. I think the thief is true. Just because actually that that that's probably easily done, and and you sound like a nice, honest person, so that reaction seemed good as well. God, but I mean, I can believe that you would have been chosen to be on a Surface Pro ad as well. Hmm. Oh God, this is tough. I, because then, why would you pick Will from Will and Grace if that wasn't true? <laughs> Like, and the fact that you knew the film was Casino, although Casino was a pretty good film, wasn't it? And yeah, there you are being rude. I haven't seen it, actually. <sighs> okay, I've, I've absolutely met. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think you were on an Intel commercial. I did not shoplift from the <gasps> store. <laughs> you see, it's just you you look like a thief there's nothing <laughs> i know i know <laughs> oh man that was so believable so okay now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be i would tell her that she has the drive and the determination to to do the work and make the career successful and that she should capitalize on that that motivation as much as she can before things get much less flexible in her life. Before you had yeah. kids. Yeah. <laughs> Thin, thinly veiled <laughs> before you have kids. <laughs> Do you know, though, it's an interesting thing. When you had kids, did that add a layer, you know, like, a, like an extra motivation or anything? Um, you know, maybe, maybe it did. I, maybe I just didn't recognize it at the time a more subconscious sort of motivation. I, I think it, in addition to making me better with my time, probably, I feel like it focused my energy in that area more. I, I didn't have the time to be wishy-washy about what I was doing or what I was pursuing. It's just, I just have to make decisions. And even if they don't always turn out to be the right decisions, I just have to do what seems right at the time and keep moving. I, I don't have time to 
to, to sort of think everything to death. Love it. Yeah. Um, go to beingfreelance.com. There'll be a link through to Michelle's website. And with uh, that in mind as well to the podcast, although if you're, you know, already within a podcast app, search for creative play date. And um, they're really great, uh, especially your, like your voice on them. It, it feels like, you know, like uh, those American podcasts like cereal for example you know like those there's there's but there's quite mm -hmm. a few of, they've got the sound to them your your you you your voice you you could be hosting those things it's brilliant well that that's an insane compliment because i i listen to a lot of npr and npr you know spin-off podcasts yeah. and things so and that was one thing starting the podcast i thought how am i ever gonna i don't have the voice for this oh, how you am do. i ever gonna yeah but it's, that's nice to hear, so thank you. No, it's really, really, really true. And you really must go and check out Michelle's work as well, because it's awesome. Michelle, it's been an absolute pleasure. All the best with everything and all the best being freelance. Thank you so much. This was, this was really fun, Steve. Thank you. So there's Michelle. Hope you enjoyed that. And by the way, since we recorded that, and it was only a couple of weeks ago, a lot has changed for Michelle already. Her husband has got a new job. They are moving state once more, and she is going back into full-time freelance whilst juggling the childcare as well. So good luck, Michelle. But it just goes to show like how quickly things can change. But she's got all the skills and experience there to make that work flexibly her family so yeah good luck to her and you can check up on her progress with her own podcast and her articles and of course on social media all the links at beingfreelance.com all of the other episodes and articles and also this week speaking of freelancing and parenting i also had a post published on the doing it for the kids website we'll put a link in the show notes all about taking time off so go take a look beingfreelance.com i'll put a link through to that okay enough from me thank you so much for listening and you have a great week being freelance